Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. So go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on the stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choice to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on Election Day. This election matters. So make sure you are ready and you vote and you vote informed. So visit go to ballot.org, enter your address to make sure that you vote and vote informed. Welcome to another episode of the PBL Podcast, where we give it to you raw, unfiltered, and no chaser. Of course, I'm here again with my trusted canine, Woody. Woody, how you doing? Tell everybody how's it going. Well, Woody's a dog, so Woody can't talk. But if Woody could talk, here's what Woody would be saying to you. He'd be saying to you to visit us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, as the PBL podcast, but what Woody would really be telling you is that Woody has a huge ask of you. Woody has a huge, huge favor. If you're watching this on the YouTube channel, yes, we have a YouTube channel, the PBL podcast, I'd like you to click down in that bottom link and subscribe. If you are listening to this podcast via audio, I'd like you to go to our YouTube channel. It's the PBL podcast. Do a search. You can find us. And Subscribe. We want to get to a thousand subscribers as soon as possible, and we need your help. Hey, Woody needs your help. So, Woody's huge ask, thank you, Woody, is to go to our YouTube channel, the PBL Podcast, or for you uh, elite types, the PBL Podcast, and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Of course, if you're Woody, would also say, if you're listening to this on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, please, please, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. And with all the media platforms, remember to like, share, and subscribe. I think that's how it goes. Hey, we got a lot on the show today. We're going to go over a local issue. As most of you know, I'm here in Atlanta with our Atlanta DA. He lost his election. That's a glorious, glorious thing, right? And Woody's telling me we got a really sad story about a child being murdered, executed. And then we're going to talk about a bad judge. And hey, I know, I know, I know everybody is aware of the Kamala Harris stuff, but I'm going to give you some, maybe a few stories you haven't heard yet about it. And then what, Woody, what? Oh, some fun stuff. Okay, then we're going to get into some fun stuff. You know, some things we used to do prior to COVID-19, we really can't anymore. This kind of large Chinese guy, what happened to him? And then an update on masks. This one's going to kind of shock you. And if we got time, maybe we'll touch on the Ilhan Omar election. I don't know. I kind of don't want to. She's kind of, I don't know. But anyway, Woody says, get on with it. Thank you, Woody. Appreciate you, buddy. All right. Here in Atlanta, we have the horrible, most horrible DA in the nation. I say he's the most horrible DA in the nation only because of what I've seen him do. I'm not comparing him to other DAs, although I just called him the most horrible DA in the nation, but he's a horrible DA. His name is Paul Howard. Paul Howard 
just lost his election. Not only did he lose his election, he lost his election by a wide margin, more than 45 percentage points. Now, if you live in and around Atlanta, we have a lot of listeners in the metropolitan Atlanta market, a lot of listeners in Georgia. You probably have heard this story. Now, this guy, he's a piece of work. Now, he was the DA that indicted the police officer who shot and killed Rayshawn Brooks. Uh, but he had more going on. Now, one of the reasons that people speculate that he was so aggressive with that police officer that <clears throat> he was trying to do it because he needed to get some points for re-election because he was in a tough battle. Uh, the man allegedly, allegedly paid himself in city grant money $140,000. So he had, he was already under investigation. He had problems to going in to his election. So he agreed to pay a $6,500 state ethics fine for failing to disclose his role as CEO for two nonprofits. Now, there's also another investigation. The GBI, Georgia Bureau of Investigations, is investigating the way the grand jury subpoenas were issued for by Howard's office in the Ray Shard Brooks murder case. Hmm. Now, here's the backstory on that. Because of COVID-19, grand juries are dismissed. There's no grand juries. So how did he get an indictment? You have to get an indictment from a grand jury. Could he have done it remotely? Nobody knows. That information's kind of not known. So there's an ongoing investigation. How did he get that grand jury indictment of, of the officer that shot Rayshad Brooks? Well, if he got it through malicious ways, well, that's going to come out, especially now since he lost his election. So kudos to Atlanta. You know, this is a sad story in a lot of ways. Um, now, by the way, he also had three past or present female employees who have filed lawsuits alleging harassment and discrimination. So this doesn't paint a picture of a good guy. Now, here's the sad part. Howard was the first African-American district attorney elected in Georgia when he took office in 1997. He touts a 70% drop in violent crime and a 50% reduction in the county jail population as his main accomplishments. He also said that he's proud that about 60% of his staff is black and about 65% female. Well, that resulted in some sexual harassment claims. Now, what's sad about this is you've got the first black district attorney elected to office in the city of Atlanta. And it ends with him wrapped in turmoil, wrapped in uh, an investigation and corruption. And it's just, it's just a damn shame. It's a damn shame that he could achieve that level of success to be a first like that. I mean, it's just sad that people fall from grace like that. But anyway, Paul Howard's out, and um, the new DA will be sworn in shortly. So good news. Now, this, is, this podcast is being released on a Thursday, and Woody, Woody and I were discussing whether it should be um, Thirsty Thursday like we did the last Thursday. And we, we both came to the conclusion, you know what, this is, do I need a drink? Uh, Thursday or I'll drink to that Thursday. Well, with Paul Howard, Woody and I will drink to that. But this next story, uh, I need to drink on this next story. Um, 
this next story is just heartbreaking. A man, Darius Sessoms of Wilson, North Carolina, he's in police custody for executing a five-year-old boy. Five-year-old Cannon Hinton on Sunday was riding his bike in front of his home when Darius Sessoms ran up to him, put a gun to his head, and executed him in front of his two sisters. Now, why did he do that? But more importantly, have you heard about this? And I hope that I'm not the one, the first one to share this story with you. But in most cases, I probably am because the mainstream media hasn't talked about this. Now, why hasn't the mainstream media talked about this? The mainstream media hasn't talked about this because it's a black on white crime. But this man, Darius Sessoms, 25-year-old man, shot and, and killed execution style. This five-year-old boy, Cannon Hinnett, Hin Nant in front of his two sisters. Now, why? Apparently, Cannon rode his bike on Darius's lawn and he ran out and he executed this boy, this poor boy. You know what's even more sad about this story? Is the family, Cannon's family, had him over for dinner the night before. It's just, how can you get in the mind of somebody like that? That's just, just horrible. This poor family, my heart breaks to them. <sighs> may God rest their soul, rest his soul, canon. And may justice be swift against Darius. Execution style in front of his two sisters. Think about what those two sisters are going to go through for the rest of their lives. And think of that the poor family. Just a sad case, just a sad story. Definitely, definitely need a drink on that story. Another story, we're going to have to call Woody. Woody and I were talking about it. We definitely need a drink for this one. Judge who released accused murderer sought to see through the law rule based on rule based on who person is. Let me read that headline for you again. Judge who released accused murderer sought to see through the law rule based on who person is is. So what this judge did is this judge, he was, he's now retired. He allowed an accused rapist to go free early in the year over the objections of a prosecutor with the alleged criminal now accused of killing the woman he had allegedly raped. The man was in jail accused of raping this woman. The judge wanted to look and see who the person is, see through who the person is, not just based on the rule of law, but to see who this person is. Okay, this is a good person. Let's let him out. And because of COVID-19, he was let out of prison only to be arrested again for killing the woman he had accused or he was accused of raping. That's just, just, uh, you know, does it make sense to let prisoners out of prison because of COVID-19? No, it makes zero sense. Why doesn't it make sense? Because they're in prison. You release them out in the public. Hey, they're now able to go and not social distance and get close to people. And they have more risk of COVID-19. They're in their cells. Lock them in their cells. We got two prisoners per cell. Put a freaking mask on their face. But you don't release them because they might catch COVID-19 in prison. They might catch it out of prison. 
They might go to one of these protests. This is just a sad, sad story. But he once advocated deciding, this is the judge, once advocated deciding cases based on who the person is rather than the explicit demands of the law. Uh, this is Alexandria Circuit Court Judge Nolan Dawkins. He released Ibrahim, looks like Bouchy, how you say the name, who really cares how you say his Cretan's name. He released him in April due to uh, the possibility of contracting COVID-19 while in confinement. Isn't that the best place to put people for prevent them from COVID-19 in confinement? It just makes me so angry. This judge, this, he's a, this guy's accused of raping this woman. This judge goes, oh, let's look at the person, uh, not really the rule of law. Now oh, he seems like a good person. Let's let him out. I don't want him to catch COVID-19. And he kills the woman. The release went through over the objections of local prosecutors. Bauchi has been arrested on a charge of rape. Police say that after his release, he subsequently, subsequently went on to murder the woman who had accused him of rape and testified against him in court. Outrageous. Now, this is another one of those freaking cases. Uh, this judge was the first black judge appointed in 1994. And he's been an icon of Northern Virginia City for over 20 years. Upon his retirement in June, roughly two months after releasing Bouchy from prison, the judge expressed a judicial philosophy that may have informed that released order. I did know that sometimes what you were seeing in court is not, in fact, the person Dawkins told News 4 in June. The man was arrested for raping a woman. She testified against him. I know what he, it's bad, right? This one you definitely need to take a drink over. That poor family, again, another poor family. Senseless. This all could have been prevented. I don't know why we're releasing prisoners because of COVID-19, because you contain them. I mean, if you're in prison, you can contain it. They're, they're, they're putting us in prison in our homes in a lot of communities across America, right? Makes zero sense to me. If, you've, if, you got, if, if I'm wrong, if, if there's something that I'm missing here, please, by all means, let me know. Email me at uh, politicsandbrownlicker at gmail.com or the PBL podcast at gmail.com. This, this is just, just asinine that we're doing this. And this, this isn't just one case. This is like cases across the country. We've heard this time and time again where criminals are released from prison and they go on to commit crimes. Really? Really? Like we didn't think that was going to happen? Definitely need a drink, right, Woody? You got it, buddy. All right. Hey, you have heard I put a podcast out about it. Kamala Harris is the pick for Joe Biden's VP candidate. So should we dig into it a little bit? Yeah, I know. You probably heard a lot about this already. It's all over the news. The media is waxing on, waxing off, giving you all these positive, glowing stories. But let's dig a little deeper on this, just kind of get into it. Why Joe Biden's pick of Kamala Harris for vice president won't make or break his election. Now, before I get into any of the stories, let me talk about that. Let me give you my opinion on why I don't think this is going to matter. Now, one thing is VP picks, there, you know, there's been a lot of strategic processes for picking a VP. One of them was that you pick one in a state that you need it. Kamala Harris from California. 
I mean, if a Democrat can't win California, <laughs> you've got some serious problems. Your pick is way worse uh, than, you know, having somebody that you just need to get California. Because if he can't win California, and that's why he picked Kamala Harris, <laughs> he's got bigger, bigger problems. Now, I don't think that's why he picked Kamala Harris. I don't think it's because she comes from the state of California. California is a lock. So that, that process or that reason is already negated. There's, there's no reason that he picked her based on where she's from because he's going to win California. Now, he may not win California as, as much as he may not get as many votes in California as Hillary Clinton got. And I don't think he will, especially if California goes to paper ballots. I think California is going to surprise us. I don't think uh, Trump's going to win California, but I think he's going to do better in California than any Republican president has done in a while. Only because if they go paper ballots, you're going to have a lot of the silent majority that's going to send in those ballots. And this is going to have unintended consequences for the, 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 the Democrats people. I guarantee it. So why else would he pick him? Okay, she ran for president. Maybe it's because of all, what do you, what do you think? Because of the uh, um, electoral or the, the delegates she got? Maybe no, Woody's right. Woody says, you know how many delegates? Woody just informed me how many delegates uh, Kamala Harris got. You know how many de delegates Kamala Harris got in, in uh, her run for the president? Uh, let me see. I got to do some math. It's going to be difficult, difficult math. Zero. She got zero. She didn't even get to any of the primaries. She got zero. Zero delegates. None. Nada. Nah, nilch. None. 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 She achieved zero delegates, if I hadn't mentioned that already. Now, who did? You know, Biden already backed himself into a corner by saying he's going to pick a female candidate. Elizabeth Warren got 63 delegates. Didn't pick her. Uh, even Amy, Amy Klobuchar, she got seven delegates. And Tulsi Gabbard? Tulsi Gabbard actually got two delegates. Kamala Harris? Zero delegates. And if you're watching this on YouTube, no, 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 that is not a white power sign. Please, please don't email me on that. It's just an okay sign or it's a zero. I'm going for zero. Not even okay, just zero. Holding my hand up for those listening audience. Looks like an okay sign, but it's really a zero. And you know how those leftists are. They may think white power. It's not what I'm doing, people. Anyway, Kamala Harris brings zero delegates, right? She didn't, she, like, as I mentioned in a previous podcast, ran a horrible, horrible, campaign. In fact, Tulsi Gabbard, who got two delegates, took Kamala Harris to the woodshed. Now, one of the reasons you pick a vice presidential candidate is that they're a fighter. They fight. They'll go do your bidding for you. You don't have to get down and dirty as the presidential candidate. You send your VP out to fight dirty. Because most that you know that your VP candidate's not going to carry you across the finish line into the presidency. So you utilize your VP candidate to fight dirty. Well, Kamala Harris kind of fought a little bit dirty when uh, she was in the primary. She basically called Joe Biden a racist, right? She blasted him for a lot of things. So maybe that's why we picked it. Now she, and I'm going to get into this a little bit later, but again, Tulsi Gabbard got two delegates to Kamala Harris's zero and Tulsi Gabbard kind of took Kamala Harris to the, the woodshed. So I want you to, uh, I'm going to play the video for that debate and Tulsi Gabbard taking Kamala Harris to the woodshed. Gabbard, you took issue 
with Senator Harris confronting Vice President Biden at the last debate. You called it a quote false accusation that Joe Biden is a racist. What's your response? I want to bring the conversation back to the broken criminal justice system that is disproportionately negatively impacting black and brown people all across this country today. Now, Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president, but I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash you, bail system in place that impacts poor people in the worst kind of way. Thank you, Congresswoman. Uh, Senator Harris, your response. As the elected Attorney General of California, I did the work of significantly reforming the criminal justice system of a state of 40 million people, which became a national model for the work that needs to be done. And I am proud of that work. And I am proud of making a decision to not just give fancy speeches or be in a legislative body and give speeches on the floor, but actually doing the work of being in the position to use the power that I had to reform a system that is badly in need of reform. That is why we created initiatives that were about reentering former offenders and getting them counseling. It is why, and because I know that criminal justice Thank system you, is Senator. so broken, that I am an advocate for what Thank we you, need Senator. to do to not your, your only decriminalize, but legalize marijuana in the United States. I want to I bring uh, Congresswoman uh, Gabbard back in. You're responsible. The bottom line is, Senator Harris, when you were in a position to make a difference and an impact in these people's lives, you did not. And worse yet, in the case of those who were on death row, innocent people, you actually blocked evidence from being revealed that would have freed them until you were forced to do so. There is no excuse for that. And the people who suffered under your reign as prosecutor, oh, you owe them an apology. So Tulsi Gabbard went at her pretty hard there. And her response was a little bit, eh, you know, it wasn't even wonky. You know, it's another reason why you select a VP pick, because maybe they're the wonk. Look at Mike Pence to trump mike pence is the policy guy he's the wonk right i don't see kamala harris as the wonk i see kamala harris actually i don't know what i see her as that's what i'm trying to figure out why would he pick her other than the obvious now and we're going to get to the obvious too well here's why chris uh what is it chris zilla siliza i'm sorry chris siliza of cnn joe biden made the pick that maximized his chances of continuing to make the race a straight referendum on Trump while also selecting someone whose resume suggests being ready to step in if and when Biden decides to step aside. So Siliza thinks Biden picked Kamala because she's ready to be president and he's going to step aside. So he's suggesting that Biden picked her because he's gonna he's gonna step out. So why 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 would why would anyone choose Biden? Kamala Harris couldn't even get a delegate, didn't even win one primary, and now we're supposed to believe <laughs> that he picked her because she's ready on day one, as he's already said. Well, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think that's it at all. Uh, I think the reason that Joe Biden picked Kamala Harris is one is she's a female and she's black. 
but she's not African-American. Yeah, controversial. She's not. She's Jamaican and Indian. She's not African-American. And her father has gone on record saying that her family once owned slaves. Yep. <clears throat> so this is going to be an interesting run. Uh, I, can, I got so much information here about her going on after she's not the um, first pick. Uh, she, Kamala Harris, she believes Biden's accusers. I mean, you're hearing all this stuff in the news. So she went on earlier or before, before all this happened and said that, you know, she believed Biden's accusers and all that stuff. But... <laughs> But when we come back, uh, or actually in the second part of this segment, this is part one, and part two, I'm going to go over some of Kamala Harris's beliefs, and then we're going to have a little fun and blow off a steam because we definitely need a drink for the Kamala Harris pick. So uh, it just makes no sense. I think it's political suicide for Biden. I, I think she's a horrible candidate, as I said before, and I think it's going to crash. Damn. 